When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I can't wait. It's like Christmas Eve for my man Lombardi because tomorrow he's going to watch the Many Saints of Newark. We're recording this on Thursday. The anticipation, Mike. I mean, I'm watching these guys in every show. Alessandro Nivola was on Colbert last night. I just saw Michael Galdafini was on Fallon last night. Like, I feel like I know what's in the stocking for you. Like, I, I'm just, I'm so excited on your behalf right now. I can't wait. I mean, so will they download it at midnight tonight? That's correct. I know you like to go to bed early and you're an early riser, but if you want to wait up till midnight, 12.01, you can watch the Many Saints tonight. Oh, that's when it's going to post. So if I get up early, to, if I get up and can't sleep, I can go watch it and then just kind of start my day knowing I haven't watched. Correct. Because I don't want to read a review or anything like that. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, I, I can't wait. I love how everybody's now, you know, we used to catch shit for talking too much Sopranos on this podcast. And now <laughs> everybody, the website has the top hundred episodes, you know, like now it's famous. Now it's, 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 you should be doing, you should be talking about what's the best line in the Sopranos. Like, seriously, like this show has been great forever. It didn't need the many saints of Newark to make it great. Well, as David Chase was saying in an interview, he said, you know, the show was a huge shit when it was on. And then five or six years passed, people were still watching it. And then during the pandemic, he said 40 and 50-year-old men were coming up to him saying, hey, just so you know, my kid just started binge-watching The Sopranos. Like, I can't think of any other show. Like, could you imagine if like, kids in the 90s were watching MASH? Like, that didn't happen. No. But 15 years later, 18-year-old kids are like, hey, let me go check out The Sopranos. It's a phenomenon. It, it aged perfectly. I mean, it, do, it didn't age. It's, it's, it's perfect. I mean, you can't, you can't ever think that there's not a bad and there's not a bad like I'm not in love with the Steve Buscemi years right I didn't like him you know I thought his character was fucked up and you know but I mean there's not a bad season when he kills the guy after the uh, the massage I mean kind of an odd character right massage therapist Tony's cousin Steve Buscemi just a very unique actor I mean how about I bet they play glad tidings when he goes up to kill him I mean is <laughs> that Morrison, just they got Van right. Morrison in the background playing glad tidings and, and he shoots him up there in, in Uncle Pat's cabin <laughs> I mean how good is that yeah then they play the song again later when Tony's with Johnny Sack and the feds are coming he starts running they play glad tidings again it's so good yeah I mean I love that one when Tony walks home yeah yeah. And he comes in the house and he's, why are your feet all wet? You know, it's like, <laughs> he just walked home. He's on some some school curb talking to Mel, talking to, you know, his lawyer. You know, it's like, I mean, is this, this is too good. And Johnny's getting arrested, you know, Johnny. And, and, and of course, naturally, the, 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 the gardener, Sal, he's over there blow, blowing the snow out of the driveway. I mean, it's, it could, they just like put him in there perfectly, right? Yeah, yes, they totally did. Every dad I think, knows. I, I, think that's, I think that's what makes it so good. It's the, it's the stuff you typically wouldn't pay attention to, how it just is perfectly placed. You know, Sal's there blowing out Johnny's sacks because he's the gardener for the mobsters, right? He's the gardener. <laughs> for the boys. <laughs>
It's so perfect. It's so good. All right. Uh, on Monday, Mike will give his review of The Many Saints of New York, which he's going to watch Friday. So look forward to his thoughts on that. Let's get to the game, shall we? Cannot wait. Bucks and Patriots, the game that has been talked about, I think, since the schedule came out. Brady returning to Foxborough after 20 seasons of the Patriots. And honestly, there's no better person in The Sopranos than Mike. And there's no better person to talk with the New England Patriots and this relationship with Brady and Belichick than Mike. Uh, let's just d- talk about these two first, Mike. Two of the best competitors in the game. You know, Belichick will know what how to scheme against Brady, but Brady will know what Bill will try to plan against him. The Bucks are favored minus seven. You know better than anybody what this game is going to mean, not just for Tom, not just for Bill, but for everybody in New England. Well, I mean, look, it's Tom coming home, and 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 as Stephen Belichick and Brian Belichick and the Belichick family. I mean, look, there's part of all of us that you know doesn't like seeing Tom in a Buck uniform. There's no doubt. And there's part of all of us that still root for Tom. I mean, we because Tom is the reason we have rings on our finger. You know, it's Bill's the reason we have rings on our finger. I mean, you know, if Bill doesn't not call timeout in Super Bowl 49, you know, we're probably not going to win that. If Bill, if Bill doesn't have a great defensive game plan against the against the Los Angeles Rams, there's not going to be a sixth Super Bowl. If Bill doesn't have a great super, uh, game plan against the greatest show on turf, there's not a, there's not going to start the dynasty. So, you know, it's, it's the both of them, you know, and everybody wants to make it. Who's the bad guy? Who's the villain? You know, it's a Soprano episode. Who turned on who? Who's not involved? I mean, Seth Wickersham has this new book out, which is perfectly timed, released with the schedule. And, you know, and Seth has got some incredible sources. I mean, he's got people that talk to craft in there. And so, you know, that adds more fuel, more, more, more uh, intrigue into this. Why did they split? And, and for me, I think they split because Tom, the actions after Tom left speak volumes for why they split. Tom is on every commercial. Gronk is on every commercial. When you accept your role within the Patriot culture, you basically give away your brand. You don't really have a brand. And Tom's a, an international superstar married to an international superstar. And he wanted an opportunity to be an international superstar. And he knew he couldn't do it in New England. He knew he couldn't do it there. And so he went to Tampa. You know, I found it really funny today, AD, that, that Bruce Arians, Bill said, well, they're running our offense, which is true. And Bruce Arians said, well, they, the Patriots stole a lot of the offense from me. I mean, God damn. Like, seriously, Tom Brady's running that offense. Like, th- let's make no bones about it. That's Tom Brady's offense. And they should run Tom Brady's offense. Like, I don't understand why a coach would fight that. Like, he's the greatest player. Why wouldn't I say, once we got Tom Brady, we're going to run his offense. We're going to do what Tom wants to do. Isn't that the smart thing to do? Yeah, one would think that would be the smart thing to do. And it's interesting, you mentioned Seth Wickersham's book. He's been all over ESPN talking about it. And you're right, incredibly sourced. He says one of the stories from there is that it's telling that the separation occurred via phone. And it's not like uh, a criticism or disparaging either side, but Brady and Belichick just grew apart by the end, right? Well, I I think this, look, you know, I mean, first of all, if anybody could predict that a quarterback's going to play at a high level at age 42, 43, then you're just way smarter than I am. Right. I mean, when I got there in 2014, Tom wasn't playing well. It was to th- after the 2013 season, you know, and th- it's around the time that quarterbacks tend to decline. I mean, one of the key takeaways after three weeks of the NFL season is Ben looks done. Matt Ryan looks done. 
Carson Wentz looks like he can't ever get it back. And these guys aren't old. I mean, these guys aren't old. And so, you know, when you saw Tom in 13, you think, well, how much more does he have left? And then the first four games of 14 weren't very good. And then the Cincinnati game, and then things started to click, right? So, you know, I mean, like, who could predict that that there's a never-ending to Tom's career? Even though Tom said, I'm going to play to 150. Well, can you? Who's done this? Who's looked like this? So, you know, I think to me, I think a lot of it had to do with he, Tom wasn't going to interrupt the culture. He wasn't going to be against the culture and do all the things he wanted to do that violated the culture. And I think with respect to the culture, he just went to another team. Which you can totally respect and appreciate. And obviously flourishing now at Tampa. The line is Bucks minus seven, even though Gronk is questionable with ribs. Antonio Brown is still out. For New England, James White out for the year. Huge blow to the Pats offense. And the Bucks just signed Richard Sherman. That's right, General Sherman trying to help out this Bucks defense. Can he contribute in that secondary? You know, I don't know how he can because here's the reality of Richard Sherman's NFL career. Sherman in Seattle. What people don't want to understand about Seattle and the way they play defense when the Legion of Boom was there is it was a it was 90% zone. It was 90% zone. He had the deep third and he was really good at reading quarterback drops. He was really good at breaking on the ball. He was really good at being impressed and running with the guy if it was man because he had the deep third. He was a really good player. I'm not minimizing that at all. However, if he has to go to Tampa and play within a, a system that is all man-to-man, all man-to-man, and where they really want to play, they want to be able to get some pressure, play, play man-to-man, and win on the outside, it's going to be challenging. And I think we've seen it. I mean, so far this season, the Bucs defensively, they're giving up 72% completions. They're giving up 7.3 yards per attempt, and their opponent quarterback rating is 101. I mean, if they hadn't, if they don't outscore opponents in the fourth quarter, thirty to six, that they, they would be negative. They would be negative in point and point differential. They haven't. Their defensive front only has three sacks. They haven't been able to get pressure. And Sherman gives them another guy to play in the back end. But I don't know if he can fit into the scheme and play. I mean, he tried to do it last year with San Francisco, and I would say it wasn't good enough. So yeah, I think it's the it's the move they needed to make Tampa. Because there's not a lot of corners out there. And as, as I think Richard Sherman said it best, he said, hey, look, they offered me the best deal. I had to take it. But when you're playing Russ Cockrell, who's been cut from five or six teams, I mean, Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean, they won last year because they got pressure. The pressure's not there this year. Bucks favored minus seven. I know you'll give your picks Sunday morning, right? Twitter, yep. Instagram, or Substack? Yeah, I'll post them on Twitter. I'll put them on Substack too. I'll do it on VEASAN. You know, once I do it on VEASAN, I'll, right before the show closes at 12, and then I'll, I'll put them on Twitter and do that. Perfect. Only five undefeated teams left in the NFL were guaranteed to have at least one less after this weekend. So unbeaten matchup, Cardinals and the Rams. The Rams right now are favored at minus four. You know, the Rams defense, they're going to have to figure out a way to try to shut down Kyler Murray, but that Rams offense is no joke, and they could have fun against this Cardinals defense. NFC West, as tough as it is, I didn't think these would be the top two teams, Mike. I probably thought Rams and Cardinals, but or excuse me, Rams and Seahawks, but Rams-Cardinals, big matchup here in the NFC West. You know, I tell you what, the Cardinals have, now look, you know, when you start to break these teams down, I mean, the Cardinals play Ryan Tannehill, dominate that game. They come back and they play Kirk Cousins, and they win that game. They miss a field goal. They could easily have lost that. Then they dominate uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But 
where I think they've really succeeded. I mean, they have Kyler Murray almost averages 10 yards per attempt. Their defense has done a good job of limiting big, big plays. They've done a really good job of limiting big plays. Uh, you know, they've given up a 64-yard touchdown pass. But I think the problem in this game going into this game is the Rams have to play better run defense. I mean, the Cardinals have to play better on run defense. The Cardinals give up 5.4. If you go play the Rams and they can run the ball and they can get comfortable running the ball, that they'll control the clock. And what's happened for the Cardinals so far this year in their three games is they've had the ball 32 minutes and almost 33 minutes. And because of that, their defense hasn't played. They've played, they, they played the old adage, we're playing less defense. And that's really helpful. And that's how they've been able to win games. But if the Rams can run the football in this game, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Cardinals to win. Now, look, I don't ever, I don't ever count out beep beep. I call Kyler Murray beep beep because of the roadrunner. Millie tells me it's meep beep. Is it meep meep or beep beep? I think it's beep beep. <laughs> I thought it's beep beep too, but she thinks it's meep meep. But anyway, so, you know, anyway, let's just go. With, I'm going to go with beep beep, but beep beep is sensational. I mean, this line opened at five, it's down to four. You know, I think the Cardinals' offensive line has got to be a little concerning, especially with Beecham and Murray and, and, and Pugh all being questionable. Hopkins, this Rondell Moore gives him another receiver. This one's a hard one for me. I mean, my instincts tell me to take the points because it's greater than a field goal. But if the Rams run the ball, they're going to charge some problems for the Cardinals. All right, great matchup there. In the meantime, Ravens and the Broncos, 2-1 Ravens, the Denver's 3-0. We've talked about Denver, Mike, obviously beneficiary of what has been uh, an easy schedule so far. Baltimore got lucky in that win against the Lions with stepping up on that huge fourth down, then getting that ridiculous field goal. Lamar's banged up. He's questionable with a back. They've lost so many running backs. Is this a letdown game here for Baltimore on the road at Denver? Broncos right now favored minus one. You know, th this is all about injuries, right? Like, what I do my numbers, and my numbers this week, like, I, I've had three weeks of numbers. So, you know, what, one of the things you have to do, last week, my numbers were, were, were 11 and five, 11 and 6, 11 and 5, 16 games, right? So, you know, just if I would have played my numbers just based on where I have the number, based on the number, my number based on the line, and then whatever side is the favorite you got to go with, right? So last week it was, I was, you know, I had some misses last week, but for the most part, I mean, it's been pretty good. Now this week, one of the misses I had, I liked Philly. Well, Philly's numbers were wrong, you know, because Philly had played, they've only played two games and they played a bad Atlanta team. You know, I had, I had the San Francisco Green Bay. I would have gone San Francisco there. Probably that number was wrong because San Francisco didn't play two really good opponents. This week, Denver's numbers, I think, are wrong for me because Denver's, you know, they've had the Sinatra Open. They've beaten New York, New York, <laughs> right? They've beaten the Jets and the Giants, right? And they've beaten Jacksonville. I mean, excuse me, they've beaten, yeah, they've beaten Jacksonville. Like, how are their numbers real? And I think everybody's looking at that saying they're not. They've had a lot of injuries on offense. They lose KJ Hamler. They lose Jerry Judy. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of injuries there. And the Ravens, they've got a ton of injuries as well. And the Ravens can't throw the ball. I think when you play Vic Fangio, it's hard to really run the ball. He's confusing, and they've got to be able to do it. I think this is a hard game for the Ravens. I really do. Lamar's banged up. They got out of, we know they got out of Detroit with a steal. They should, the, the Ravens could easily be 0-3, right? They lose to, they lose to the Vegas, they lose to Las Vegas. They should have lost to Kansas City, right? And then they, and then they, they should have lost to Detroit. Are the Ravens any good? That's the question.
And I think it's going to be a challenge. I'm with you. Playing at mile high against a 3-0 Broncos team. It feels like Baltimore is due for a letdown, at least from where I'm sitting. Panthers and Cowboys, meantime, 3-0 Carolina, 2-1 Denver. Dallas, excuse me. I think this is a really good game. Dallas looked awesome against the Eagles. As my friend James Scully said to me, the only thing that can stop the Cowboys is Mike McCarthy. Other than that, this team is loaded as they just ran roughshod over the Eagles defensively. Micah Parsons was great. Obviously, Dak looked so fluid and comfortable in the pocket. But then there's the Panthers at 3-0, who you've raved about Matt Rule all along. You believe Sam Darnold would work out. Panthers' defense has been solid, but their secondary is banged up. Cowboys at home minus four, and Christian McCaffrey's out. I think I'm leaning Dallas. What do you think? You know, I think that, that that's always a concern. Now, look, t- today is my son, Matthew, who works at Carolina. Today, he turns 31. Believe it or not, I can't believe it. Nice. Tomorrow, my son, who works at the Patriots, he turns 33. So, you know, we got September 30th, October 1st. That was the greatest thing ever growing up, AD, because I could go to, we had one Chuck E. Cheese party. That was it. Cover <laughs> both of them. You know, it was like it. You didn't have you didn't have one in March and then one in October. You had them both right there. Bang, bang. Oh, it's perfect. Got it over with. It was perfect right in the fall. So, look, I, I think the McCaffrey injury is significant because I think the numbers on this game for me is I have, I have Dallas should be a 5.56 favorite, which means... At four and a half, you should play the Cowboys. That, that That's the number. But my numbers about Carolina, I'm a little worried about because without, without McCaffrey, are they able to do all the things they want to do, especially on third down, especially on third down. With, without, you know, Chuba Hubbard isn't really a nickel runner. They need to get a nickel back in there. You know, they don't really have one that could come in there and really help. You know, they traded Dan Arnold because they needed a court. They needed a, they need, they traded Dan Arnold mostly because they needed to be able to play Tommy Tremble, who's really good. And they've got I, I, Ian Thomas, and they've got Colin Thompson at tight end. So they're good. But to me, this one's a hard one for the Panthers offensively because I think at the end of the day, they you know McCaffrey generates most of their offense, and how are they going to get any points if he's not on the field? That's why I'm also leaning with the Dallas Cowboys in this one. Coming up next, Matt Nagy's back looking at his papers. That's right. This time it's the depth chart. An open quarterback competition in Chicago. We'll dive into the debacle next. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second round playoffs have been unreal and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Two 
two bottom feeder teams in the league, the Lions, the sad sack Lions at 0-3, and the Bears at 1-2. On Monday, Matt Nagy, Bears head coach, had all three quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and Nick Foles. That's right, you forgot about Nick Foles, didn't you? Nick Foles is still there, yep. Under consideration to start on Sunday, Andy Dalton is dealing with a knee issue. Fields injured his throwing hand against the Browns, said he felt fine. But this is also a guy who went 6 of 20 for 68 yards. He got sacked nine times. Uh, here was Nagy's comments, which I want to get your take on, Mike. I loved his preparation leading up to the game. I think he learned a lot. One of the things we've talked about for him going through the process is there are going to be highs and lows. Last week was a low, so we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to put him in situations where he's having success. Basically, I think he's trying to couch it, right? And say, listen, he was prepared, but we got to make sure he keep his confidence up. How do you read those comments? Well, I think he can't start fields. I mean, in spite of the worldwide leader, you know, screaming about it, you know, he, that, that fields is getting, I mean, today in the worldwide leader, we got, you know, the expert and, and somebody else to saying that Justin Fields should force his way out of Chicago. Like, seriously, is this the programming that we're looking for? The guy's a rookie. He didn't play good at all. He might play good. It's Nagy's fault, but he didn't. It's Nagy's got a lot to blame here, but so does Fields. I mean, Fields held on to just watch the tape. Fields is holding on to the ball. Yeah, Nagy was horrible. Nobody's more critical of Nagy than I am. But if you're watching that tape and you think Justin Fields played good or was just screwed, you, you don't even know what the hell you're watching. <laughs> Force his way out of Detroit, Chicago. Are you kidding me? Like, where does this come from? I mean, you know, where does this come from? Like, I don't understand it. Like, you know, the Bucks are going to go undefeated. Force your way out. Like, are they just feeding this guy? You just got to feed hot takes. So just you got to say something. Like, and educate people. Teach them. Like, tell me what's wrong with the offense. I'll tell you. You know that that they are they struggle. Nagy has always struggled. It hasn't just been because of Justin Fields, but Fields isn't ready to throw the ball. Field doesn't have a sense of timing. Field doesn't have anticipation. It may come, it may not. He didn't have it at Ohio State. He wasn't great at it there. You know, he wasn't great at it there. Anybody who watches a tape who knows anything about pro football knows Justin Fields wasn't ready to play. He's not ready to play right now. Just like Trey Lance isn't ready to play. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said the other day, there's no debate about who's one and who's two in this team. There's none. I don't give a shit what Twitter says. Trey Lance isn't ready to play. Holds the ball. He's going to get killed. He's going to do exactly what Fields did. The game's moving too fast for him. You know, I, and and look, I think Nagy did a horrible job of preparing the game plan. I mean, if you're going to get ready to play the Cleveland Browns, you got to say to yourself, there's one guy we got to stop. We got to stop Miles My- Garrett. And of course, he gets four and a half sacks. I mean, so look, Nagy's got his own issues. But the real issue at the end of the day is that Fields is going to need some time. He's not a ready-made product. You got to build, if Bill Walsh came back and watched Fields play, a, Bill Walsh would have never drafted Fields, and B, Bill Walsh wouldn't play Fields right now. So you want to blame Nagy? I mean, it's absurd. Force his way out. Like, what is that? Like, what, what are we trying to do? Like, I don't understand the agenda of the worldwide leader. Like, I don't get it. Like, teach people the game. Why, why do we have to have it so that you've got to be forced? We got to leave. Everybody knows Mag- Nagy's going to get fired. Why would you want to force your way out of Chicago? There's going to be a new coach coming in. He's going to get fired. Everybody in the world knows it. Nagy knows it. Nagy's already taken down his play sheets in his basement. He knows he has to move. You know, I mean, it's like he knows it. I mean, so what? what, what is the big deal? Like, tell people what's wrong with Nagy's offense. It's too simplistic. It doesn't understand the protections. It's West Coast. Andy Reid's not there to help him do it. 
That's the problem with the offense. They have no explosive plays. The biggest play is 21 yards. He can't design an explosive play. His first down his game, his first down drive starters are horrible. He runs, he runs stuff that attacks it. And if it changes and it doesn't go the way it did at practice, it's all messed up. I've been saying this for five years with Trubisky was there. I mean, there's no guru, there's no rue in the guru for, for Nagy. I get that. But Fields was terrible. Fields held onto the ball way too much. He's not ready to play. It would only hurt Fields by playing him now. It would only hurt his confidence. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, say something. You know, it's like, it drives me crazy. Like, all we're trying to do is create a story. You're supposed to report the story, not create one. It's well said. And right now with the Bears, Andy Dalton hurt. Justin Fields uh, says he's okay, but maybe just his pride is hurt. I'm going to see Nick Foles start. I think this will be hysterical. Nick Foles goes out there for the Bears and tries to get a win against the Detroit Lions, a terrible team right now looking for their first win of the season. They won't do that. He If, if Andy Dalton go out there on one, first of all, he's playing Detroit, right, AD? Yeah. So, I mean, Nagy's sitting there saying to himself, look, if I can just get Andy Dalton on the field, you know, Detroit allows 10.2 yards per attempt. They're one of the worst defenses in all of football. They're slow, they can't cover, and they can't rush. Other than that, they're fabulous. (laughs) Other than that, they're fabulous, okay? I mean, they've got the trifecta. They've got the trifecta. They're slow, they can't cover, and they can't rush. And so Nagy's sitting there saying, I just got to get, if I can just get, Dalton in the game, he'll complete, you know, because, you know, for Nagy, 75% completion, that's what really matters. Oh, here's 75% completion. And they'll make plays. And he's going against a team that has allowed, forget this, the Lions on defense have allowed 15.4 yards per completion. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. And they only get 9.3. Of course, they have Goff, you know, so... Like Nagy knows he can win this game with defense, and if he doesn't turn the ball over and he has two or three drives, he's going to win the game. So, like, he's going with Dalton. Unless Dalton can't do it, then he'll go with Foles. We'll see what happens in that game. Uh, two teams right now badly in need of a victory. Forget about the Lions and the Bears, the Chiefs and the Eagles. The Chiefs are one and two right now. Shocking considering the amount of talent they have on that team. Or maybe it isn't shocking when you realize their defense is very limited the way Steve Spagnuolo coaches them up. And uh, obviously Patrick Mahomes has been very inconsistent so far. The Eagles were embarrassed on Monday Night Football. The defense, they got that touchdown after Javon Hargrave had that great play against Dak in the end zone. Fletcher Cox gets the score. They had a big stuff on fourth down. And yet... It didn't matter. The Cowboys just kept coming, and then eventually it became an onslaught as Dak was picking off guys left and right as far as his receivers were concerned. And the Eagles' offense, completely stagnant, didn't run the ball at all. Play calling remains a mess. It doesn't matter if it's Doug Peterson or Nick Sirianni. They don't give the ball to Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts isn't able to make plays. Andy Reid back coaching his old team. Chiefs are minus seven. I think this is a big win for KC, Mike. I think it is, too. I think you have to look at it that way. Look, Miles Sanders has 30 carries on the season. That's 10 a game. And he, but he averages five yards a carry. But why would we want to give him the ball more? Because the analytic department in Philly says you, can't, you shouldn't run the ball. That's why. I wrote in my notes, I literally wrote in my notes, that, that because they ran the ball way too much against the 49ers, the next game they were going to throw it all the time. Now, I thought he had to have more than 12 completions. He did. But let's, let's make something really clear here. Jalen Hurts is a, is a single-win quarterback. He's a single-win quarterback. So far, what we've seen out of him, it's all one look and go, baby. One look and go. I'm, I'm looking and I'm going. And if it ain't there when I look, I'm taking off. 
And I thought Dallas did a great job of keeping him contained in the pocket. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't run. He's the leading rusher on the team. Averages almost seven yards a carry. He's not going to beat you in the passing game. He's not going to beat you throwing the ball. If you make him play quarterback, the position of quarterback, where you keep him in the pocket and you make him try to beat you one-on-one on the outside and make tight window throws and take away his first option, I don't think he's going to do it. I think Philly's going to be in the market for a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised at some point if Gardner Minshew doesn't play this year because I think a Jalen Hurts' ability, inability to read and his inability to anticipate throws. A little bit on the line of Fields. Fields doesn't anticipate throws. Fields doesn't throw the receiver open. That's a hard thing to do. It's it's what happens with these run-and-shoot quarterbacks, these, these RPO quarterbacks. I talk about it with Mason Rudolph. They, have, they lack anticipation because in college, they don't need it. They just, the receiver's breaking open. They've got great protection. There's a rhythm to playing the game of quarterback. And sometimes guys don't have it. Jacoby Brissett doesn't have great rhythm. You know, Mason Rudolph doesn't have great rhythm. Justin Fields didn't have great rhythm at Ohio State. I I mean, I know that's sacrilegious to talk bad about Justin Fields. You could get up on double secret probation, but that's the reality. Now, does that mean he's not going to be a great player? He's going to have some time, but he's going to have to improve in that area. Trey Lance, I don't know if he had anticipation. You couldn't really tell based on North Dakota State tape. You know, I thought Trevor Lawrence did. I thought Zach Wilson did. I think Mac Jones definitely did. But that's the trait you got to have to play great quarterback. Jalen Hurts, the reason he was benched for Tua, don't say a bad word about Tua, AD. The reason he was benched for Tua was because he couldn't throw the ball. I mean, Nick Saban made it very clear. I got We got to throw the ball to win this game. And, and Philly's running Oklahoma's offense. They are. They're trying to run Oklahoma's offense. They repeat plays. They do it all the time, except their execution and their ability to really understand how to win a game is hard. And the way they played defense the other night, soft, allowing, and their defensive line can't dominate, I think the Chiefs will put it up on Look, the Chiefs have played sloppy. Anybody who thinks Mahomes has played good the first two games, is, is, is first three games, he's turned the ball over. He's got three interceptions on the year already. He turned the ball, he turned that ball, he cost them the game last week. Throws the ball, and, and when they have it back, when they have, if they punt there, I don't know if the Chargers are going to come down and score. He overthrows that throw. They got to get it back and they got to play better defense. I think it starts this week. I think so too. Seahawks and 49ers feels like a must win for both teams just because of how good that division is. Seattle is one and two. The 49ers are two and one. As you said, Garoppolo was always going to be the guy. He's been the starter, and Trey Lance only coming in for select plays so far. The Seahawks are plus three. High hopes for Seattle. I think, Mike, they can ill afford to go down 1-3. Critical game on the road at San Francisco. No doubt. Critical game. I mean, Russell Wilson's dynamic, right? He's averaging 10-4 yards per attempt. He's got 137.6 quarterback rating. The problem is, the problem is, you know, the defense can't play. The defense has given up almost eight yards per attempt. The, the defenses get opposing quarterbacks have 109 quarterback rating, and, and they've, they've played Wentz, Tannehill, and Cousins. They haven't really played a great quarterback. I mean, other than, Ta- other than Cousins, you know, Tannehill's inconsistent, but he makes some plays. Wentz has been horrible this year. But the problem is Seattle's defense. I mean, they've given up 4.5 yards per carry, and they can't rush the passer. And, you know, I mean, San Francisco, if San Francisco, much like the Rams, if they can move the ball, if they can run the ball on the ground, and they haven't really been able to do that. They, they've averaged three, six a carry. The other concern for San Francisco is they haven't stopped the run. They haven't played well enough in the running game. 
Garoppolo's averaging eight yards per attempt when he throws it. So, you know, it isn't, you know, you can blame Jimmy. Jimmy's quarterback rating is 101.2. I mean, the guys made some plays. The problem is their defense couldn't stop, couldn't stop Green Bay. They couldn't put pressure and they can't cover. I think this is an old-fashioned shootout, AD. I think both these teams move it up and down the field. I think whoever, if you get the points in Seattle, you're probably better off taking them because if you can get, you know, if you can get three, I think it's a good play. We'll see what the line comes out today. Steelers, meantime, are facing the Packers. Pittsburgh at one and two. They're desperate for a win. They're facing the Packers at two and one. Green Bay, obviously, huge win, emotional win, dramatic win, as they're able to knock off the 49ers. Pittsburgh, though, they lead an egg against the Cincinnati Bengals. Packers are minus six and a half at home. I think the Packers are the play. How about Bengals' Tyler Boyd? He said the Steelers gave up on Sunday. How about that insult? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's, look, I, I think this, I, I think, to me, if the Steelers don't win this and they're one and three, I think they're going to regret the decision of bringing Ben back. I really do. I think Ben's done. I, I, I think Ben can't move. I think he can't, he can't throw it. He's playing, and, and, and the situation is bad because he's playing behind a bad offensive line. If he was playing behind a good line, maybe he could play better. He's averaging 6-2 per attempt. You know, the Steelers, if, if T.J. Watt's got to play, you know, Joe Hayden's got to play. Devin Bush's, they got to have the, they got to be at full strength. They can't be at part-time. They can't score. And and Matt Canada's got to stop running the quarter, the, the tight end under route. I mean, that's what he did when he was at Pitt. And, you know, he went down to LSU and did the same thing. And, it, it, you know, like he got to be more aggressive offensively. You know, and I think that Nigel Harris, they can't get the running game going because their offensive line is bad. Green Bay, I thought, looked the best that they've looked last week. They play good on defense. Their kicking game's not very good. I mean, this has got to be the game where Pittsburgh wins in three phases, much like they did Buffalo. And I'll say this, when, 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 when Tomlin's a dog, a big dog like this, he's usually pretty good. This game I have on my point spread, I have it as a five-point game. The line's six and a half. So that means you should take Pittsburgh. Now, whether you do it or not, I, I'll recommend it on Sunday. I got to keep working on it. All right, look forward to that. Browns and Vikings. Browns at two and one. On the road against Minnesota, Minnesota's at minus, excuse me, one and two. The line is Browns minus two. Browns defense looked great against the Bears, the Vikings. They had a great comeback win against the Seahawks in week three. I'm curious how your numbers shape up in this one. It's a pretty close line now. Browns minus two on the road. Yeah, I think this is, I, I think this is going to be a shoot, old-fashioned shootout. I really do. I think that both teams will move the football effectively. I think the difference in this game is Cleveland's better on defense than Minnesota. And Cleveland's offensive line is better than Minnesota. And Stefanski, this is a homecoming of sorts. Stefanski comes home. I think it's really kind of a, the perfect setting uh, for uh, you know for him because he can go in there. They need to control the football. They need to be able to keep Minnesota's high potent offense off the field. And I think they can run the ball on Minnesota. Now Minnesota gave up 17 quick points to Seattle, and they settled down, and started playing better defense. But this is a harder game. I think Cleveland will be ready to play. I like Cleveland. This is almost a pick'em type game. But I think this is Stefanski coming home. He knows Mike Zimmer. He understands how they want to call defenses. You know, he understands what to tell his defense that the Minnesota Vikings want to do. Look, they've got Madison and Cook, both two really good running backs. But I think ultimately. I think ultimately this is going to come down to an offensive game. I favor the Browns here. All right, Texans at one and two against the Bills at two and one. 
Uh, listen, we all know the fact that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins' owner, wants Deshaun Watson. According to Fox's Jake Laser, the Texans' stance on trading Watson has softened recently, insinuating the Texans are open to fielding offers. I know this story just isn't going away, Mike. What do you think? Are we any closer to Miami just selling the farm to get Deshaun Watson? Even though we know there's like 25 women who have cases against him pending. Don't you think they have to? What's their choice? Right? I mean, they, everybody other than, you know, I, I heard uh, I heard Trent Dilfer on Rich Eisen the other day. Everybody but, everybody but Trent Dilfer is, not everybody, I shouldn't say that. But a lot of people see that Tua's not the guy. It's not hard to see it either. Like, you don't have to be, you know, it's like you don't have to be this, oh, my God, I, I learned that, you know? Like, th- this is not, he's not the guy. What are we going to do? I mean, it's like you, you can't play him. You can't keep playing him. I, I mean, it, he's not going to le- He's not going to ever be a top 20 quarterback. All due respect to Mike Francesa, he ain't Steve Young, okay? So, like, we know this. He's got no elite skills. So for me, if you're Steven Ross and the mandate's to win a Super Bowl right away, you got to try to get Watson. I mean, Carolina was interested in Watson strongly. David Tepper, their owner, would love to have Watson. But the reality of it is, is how can you get Watson, you know, when Darnold's playing as good as he's playing right now? Now, you know, so what do you do? And I think the way Houston's handle it, they're probably better off collecting. They can't bring them back now. I mean, there's too much going on. And if Miami's going to pay... I could see him soften in their stance. I think if Glazer says it, I think it's probably accurate. Even though, as we've talked about, you might trade for Deshaun Watson and all of a sudden the league might give him a one-year uh, suspension, right? That's right. Yep. No, I mean, it's it's a lot of risk here. Yeah. A lot of risk. But if you're Steven Ross and you're desperate and you want to get this, I think you got to take it. I think he's willing to take it. I don't know if I would do it, but I think he's willing to do it. Good point. Doesn't matter what you think. It matters what the guy in charge is. He's the owner. He wants to see some changes made. As always, send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is OB on Instagram. Hey guys, love the show. I have a culture question. Can you build a good culture with a bad owner or does the owner need to be on board? I remember the story of Robert Kraft forcing Parcells to draft Terry Glenn, but after that, he backed off, let more knowledgeable people run the organization. If you come to a team with an owner who doesn't understand the culture, is your first move to get them on board or do you not take the job at all? You know, I think the culture really has to start with the owner because if the owner doesn't allow you to build the culture, you got no chance, right? You got no chance. And I think that's one of the reasons why Coach Belichick uh, decided to he didn't want to be the Jets head coach because he didn't think they would let him build the culture. And I think that's why he ended up taking the job with the, with the Patriots because he felt like Kraft would let him build the culture. And I think it all starts with the owner. And that's the hardest part for like, like Jerry Jones just doesn't understand culture. So it's never going to happen there. You know, he just, he doesn't see it as a problem. He thinks he sees it strictly as players. It's, and it's culture. And that's why right now the culture is, is so important. There's honestly a gaggle of teams right now that are 0-3. We're not going to talk about those. The Jets are 0-3. The Colts are 0-3. The Giants are 0-3. The Jaguars are 0-3. All those teams right now have flawed cultures, as we've talked about here on the GM Shuffle. Thanks so much for listening. Again, you can get Mike's picks on Twitter, Instagram, VEASAN, Substack on Sunday. We'll be back on Monday with a new edition of the GM Shuffle, plus Mike's review of the Many Saints of Newark. Can't wait. 